Welcome to the Business That Matters Spotlight. I'm Warren Coughlin, founder of this podcast and business coach to ethical entrepreneurs who want to build a business that matters. In short, I help you end chaos and gain control over your business so that you predictably and reliably achieve the profits, the lifestyle, and the impact you strive for through a team you can trust without the stress and frustration. When you experience this, you're more confidently able to make the world or just your corner of it a bit of a better place. At The Spotlight, we believe that every entrepreneur has a unique message that can positively impact the world and inspire others to do the same. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Business That Matters Spotlight. I'm your host, Warren Coughlin. Uh, we're here today. This is going to be a really interesting conversation. I've been looking forward to this. This is We're going to be talking with Eric Croswell. He's one of the founders of Bridge City Media. Uh, so we have another B Corp represented here today. He and his team, they work in the advertising industry, but focus on combining video, photography, and strategic messaging to tell the stories of organizations working to make their community, in this case, Portland, uh, a city that works and works for all. So welcome to the uh, to the spotlight, Eric. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So let's just let's start with the business, just to start with, as a business. Uh, you know, my description was fairly high level. What do you do? Who do you do it for? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we are transitioning. We're becoming more of a overall branding company. Uh, our bread and butter is certainly video production. That's what we've been doing for about five years now. And uh, most of who we work with are nonprofits, other B Corps, what we call social enterprises, um, almost all of which exist within the Portland metro area. So we have a very localized approach to marketing and content creation. And your clients share that? Are they, are they locally focused as well? Most of them are. Uh, we do work with a pretty wide array of size of business. So we work with micro businesses to international companies, um, but the international companies are still going to be either completely Portland-based or they're going to have a very major presence in Portland. And do you distinguish, I mean, B Corp is a, is, a, is a defined organization with a certification, but you said B Corps and social enterprises and nonprofits. Just mm -hmm. for anyone who isn't all that familiar, how do you, how do you distinguish between those? Yeah, absolutely. So B Corp is a certification that is designated for for-profit businesses, and it's they go through a third-party audit um, through a organization called B Lab, and it essentially just is something that says that these people are um, walking the talk and they're living up to what they say that they're doing for the planet and people and profit and uh, and helping their community. Um, and I think at, at the same time, I also just like to recognize that it is a little bit of a barrier to entry for very small companies. Um, mm -hmm. So we do work with a lot of people who live those exact same values and would be still a social enterprise, a company that is more rooted in this idea that they want to make a difference in the world and less rooted in um, just trying to make a profit quarterly from it. Um, but yeah, like we work with a bunch of people who would absolutely be B Corps if they went through the certification process, but they maybe haven't done so yet, or um, they might have like a financial barrier to entry there. And there could be social enterprises that are doing a lot of good in the world, but just don't check all the boxes that B Corp requires, right? 
Um, yeah, I think that I, I definitely live, uh, have a philosophy that just because you're B Corp doesn't necessarily mean you're a good company. Um, <laughs> you can be a good company and like, not be a B Corp. And you can be a bad company and be a B Corp, if I'm being honest. But um, it's just harder. It's just harder to get away with stuff. Um, it's just in a lot of cases, people, uh, businesses have a way of using greenwashing and woke washing to say, Hey, these are these values that we're going by. And, you know, like, believe us, we're living by them. But for the most part, businesses control their own marketing and PR voice. Um, and so this is just a company that comes in or an organization that comes in and audits that and says like, Oh, you're actually doing what you say that you're doing. And then on top of that, um, if they're saying like, all right, here's like these standards for uh, how we're like treating the environment or people, they might be pushed to do like a little bit more and a little bit more to meet B Corp standards. Um, but B Corp is changing all the time. So um, every few years they update their standards. It sometimes in, in some ways it gets harder for certain companies to become B Corps. And in some, some ways, it becomes easier for other companies to become B Corps, just depending on how the standards shift. And did you do it primarily um, to validate the fact that you're doing good? Or is it a, is it a marketing like, is it a marketing tool? Is it like a, a brand certification that helps you reach the customers you're looking for? Yeah, it's definitely both. Um, I think I, like before we became a B Corp, we were involved in... Uh, an organization called Conscious Capitalism, which has like similar similar values. Um, and then after that, we became part of a more local certification uh, organization called Benefit Corporations for Good. Um, and that's comprised of like very, very small companies typically. Um, but then B Corp, especially in Portland, we have the highest concentration of B Corps than anywhere in the world per capita. Um, and in the B2B realm, uh, it is pretty prestigious and there is a lot of marketing value that comes from essentially joining this social club. And so, um, we noticed like a pretty significant change once we became a B Corp, it was great to live up to the, the values and get that, that, um, validation for like having someone say, yep, you're doing what you say you're doing. And that, that does feel pretty good. But for the most part, like consumers don't necessarily understand B Corps yet. Yeah. Um, but primarily our client base are um, business to business local companies. So B Corp has a really strong value here. And we got a lot busier right after we became a, a B Corp. So I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case for most companies. But depending on your market and depending on what you're working in, um, it's a huge advantage from a marketing perspective. To no, interesting. So you, just, you said something interesting there. So I wanted, what, what is it about Portland? Like, why do you think there's so many uh, B Corps there? Or why does that value set sort of resonate in that community more than other places? Um, I think it's this, it's definitely this culture that we have um, fostered here from a variety of ways. Um, of course, like, like Portland in the West, there's this foundation of like, like the wild West. There's like a lot of like this innovative um, ideology to things at the same time. Um, we have really cultivated this uh, community of weirdness and expressiveness. And um, 
just strangeness and and people have like a lot of pride in that but at the same time um we want to put that into something that's a little bit more actualized and it's not just for fun and so a lot of the way that that um happens is that it fosters this pretty significant uh culture of activism and um and environmentalism and like social movements um so there is a pretty big rift in um just the consumer population here and how they feel about larger corporations um I think famously, like large corporations don't actually do well in Portland. They will kind of move in and open up like big department stores and they they'll close down. They don't survive well here um, and in the surrounding areas. Yes. But like within the city of Portland, uh, they, they just actually can't compete because they just don't link up with the consumers. So that in turn fosters a pretty sh big shift in how small businesses have the ability to rise up a little bit more easily here than they might in other cities. Isn't that interesting? Um, yeah, because like people really do want to support small businesses and they really do pay attention to um, like what companies are doing for their community. And uh, so in turn, small businesses and medium-sized businesses put a lot more of an emphasis uh, within local marketing to say like, Hey, here's our corporate social responsibility report. Um, get involved in like nonprofits. Get involved in community activations, um, and just being really careful with the messaging of that. That doesn't look contrived, and it looks a, a bit more like genuinely helping for the sake of helping, as opposed to like using it as like a marketing play. Right. Mm -hmm. And does that does that weirdness or strangeness does it in your kind of work? Does that translate into any kind of uniqueness in the aesthetic you bring to, you know, the video work, the imagery work? Yeah, I think um, like certainly there's a lot more of a relaxed attitude for how content can and should be created. Um, I think that there is just a number of principles when it comes to commercials and like promotional content for corporations that like you want to try to be pretty like tight wound and you want to be like really like specific and you want to be very careful with the messaging. And I think that there's almost this uh, push in the opposite direction of that. And like, we want a little gritty, we want a little messy, we want a little weird um, because ultimately we're trying to feel and be a little bit more genuine. Um, I think that local consumers and not necessarily just Portland, but I think that maybe more, I would say contemporary city consumers are a little bit more wise to um messaging that is too tightly defined and refined that they kind of sniff right through that as bs and then uh that it pushes them in the opposite direction of what the intention of um corporate video content would be nice so what in your view what makes bridge city rock you know, your company, why should like, there's lots of people who do video production, there's lots of people who do branding. So why should people use you? Yeah, um, I think that something that rocks about us is uh, just the intersection of the skill sets that we do have. Uh, there are a lot of video production companies. And um, they're very focused on just the production. They can film well, they can edit well, we 
I wouldn't say that we can necessarily like film and edit better than most other like defined video production companies could do. Um, and then we have a lot of like marketing and branding companies and those marketing and branding companies, they hire out, they subcontract all of the, their video work. And so, and then they don't necessarily do a lot of that work themselves. And then they'll just charge pretty significant profit margins on top of it. So we're able to offer both of those things together and it allows us to be a lot more price competitive. Um, our approach to marketing isn't just focused on, all right, we just got to get you the most like clicks as, as possible. We general, genuinely try to break down and can understand the differences and the nuances of running a small business versus a medium-sized business versus a large business. And with our approach to how we do video, we're not just going to say like, yeah, cool, let's make a video, like film some talking heads, put some B-roll together and then call it good. Um, we really want to understand your industry. We want to understand um, like the lifetime value of a new co customer if they're converted through this video and like what the other plans that you have for marketing are going to be throughout the year and how that video would actually interlace with that. So then you're genuinely getting like a better ROI that you would have not normally. So um, our team is comprised of like a really nice mix of like very marketing minded people and strategists as right. well mm -hmm. as artists that like really don't necessarily play by uh, defined structures and like have the ability and like desire to like think outside the box and be bold and be weird and um, be able to bring that to the table for ideas that we do for content. Nice. And what about you, Eric? Like, how'd you get into this? Were you a West Coast film dude who didn't quite get to Hollywood? Or were you a marketing guy who, you know, found a, found a new way of applying that or some hybrid? Or what? what's, what's your story? Yeah, I'd say definitely a hybrid. Um, I grew up in the area just like making short films. I was a theater kid. Uh, I loved to just go out into the woods and make like zombie movies with my friends. Um, I, I really, I loved uh, and still love cinema. I watch a ton of movies all the time. I, I wanted to be a, a Hollywood film director, but I got out of high school and when going into college, I went to um, PSU for marketing. And that's what became my focus because I felt it was safer, but it was still close enough of an industry um, than going through film school. Um, and I got, I ended up getting a film minor, but uh, just PSU had a much better marketing department, in my opinion, than they did have a film program at the time. Um, but I got out of school. I got like into a number of small marketing roles. And then I ended up uh, working for Uber for a couple of years oh, yeah. right, yeah. as they were first launching in Portland. So I got to be part of like a corporate team and like be doing a lot of the initial marketing um, initiatives that they had along the West Coast as they were first expanding. Um, and that was really exciting. Uh, but I think I always knew that I wanted to come back to film. So I branched off and uh, started Bridge City Media with uh, an old friend of mine who was all, also working for Uber at the time. And we had this approach of like, all right, like I got film, like we've got marketing together you know, let's, let's see if we can uh, create a business as a side hustle more so just for fun and to 
like refine our own skill sets. And uh, just one thing led to another. We realized that we were very well positioned and it took off from there. So um, left the other jobs and has just been full-time with Bridge City since 2018 now. Um, yeah, and still still growing every year. And when did you when did you choose this um, social benefit orientation for the business? Um, kind of, it happened very organically, which is cool. Uh, I think we just accidentally started working with a couple of companies that were more within this field. Of course, like growing up in this area, I was like already involved in some like nonprofits and volunteer groups and activist work and um, and. I definitely personally really care about environmentalism and the planet and um, like wildlife and civil rights. Um, and I think that there, there just wasn't necessarily, that's just not what you think of with business. It's like, it's just the opposite. It's, it's gritty, it's shitty, it's exploitative. Um, but uh, we found just working with like a few other people that there is a local community um, that is involved a little bit more in these ideologies like, okay, how can we use this as a force for good? How can we like use this drive for like profits from demand to not just produce more profit and produce more demand, but like use it as a tool for like pushing forward movements that might, you know, happen a lot slower through like government systems, um, because you do need both within communities. Um, and yeah, like I said, it kind of just led me to conscious capitalism at first. And then that went into benefit corporations for good. And then that went into B Corps, just based on like new people that we started to work with within each of those groups. Um, and then, and then within the B Corp space, there's like a lot of additional like local groups and organizations that kind of tie into that as well. Um, and what, and what then, your background brought you, like what was it in your upbringing that made you predisposed to those causes or issues that made you sort of social justice oriented? Like not everybody comes, yeah. to, I mean, in my work, it's really interesting. People come to it at different ages and stages. Some, mm -hmm. you know, it's been in their DNA at birth. Some people have an awakening. Um, yeah. Some people it's an evolution. Like where was it? How did, how did you come to it? Um, I, I mean, I was raised by like, you know, kind of hippies or so, yeah. uh, we were, we were vegetarians like growing up. I'm still, uh, mostly I'm still a vegetarian, mostly vegan now. Um, so I think that it was really normal for us to just like grow up and like get involved in like protest groups and like social justice initiatives, um, and of course, like that influenced like getting involved in groups like that at like middle school and high school that I grew up with. Um, I think just being in theater, you're going to be surrounded by a lot of people that are a little bit more inclined to think outside the box of like normal social expectations and might might be a little bit more open minded to um, issues that they see in the world and feel like confident, like, oh yeah, you know, like we, we can do something about this. And like, not only uh, feel like you can do something about it, but like to 
be able to build a community with others that are excited about trying to make this sort of difference. Um, right. So it was really natural that it kind of pushed to find groups that are doing that in a little bit more of a defined structure in the business world too. You said something earlier about activism. I just, I, I'd like, I like your take on, on this a little bit, because you alluded to it. It isn't the normal sort of capitalist approach. Um, mm. A lot of entrepreneurs would say, you know, to engage in activism can be at risk because it could, you know, tick off prospects or clients if you're too vocal. On, like how, what's your experience with that? Has activism, you know, there's some people will say, well, if you're, if you, if you have a focus on an activist cause, you'll resonate with people that that uh, connects with. And so you'll, mm -hmm. you might have a smaller niche, but a deeper one. And other people are like, you're damaging the potential growth of your business by doing that. What's your yeah. take on it? Or does it even matter? <clears throat> uh, it matters. Yeah. And it definitely, it's, it is important to strike a balance too, and to be able to be realistic and compromise on things. The thing is, if we were, if we were more involved in the activist space within our approach to business, we would probably like have more support from those groups. And if we were, uh, and, but at the same time, it might like ostracize the ability for us to work with enough people to actually like run the business. Yep. Um, but at the same time, like not being involved at all would, I mean, it leads to a lot of things. I think like most importantly, um, you know, it just doesn't at the end of the day feel good and worth it to like run this um and then it's important to have a team of people that believe in what we're doing and the values that, that we stand for and that like when they come to work they're you know not just getting the paycheck they're they feel like the work that we're doing is actually helping the community around them and they they're proud of that work um, does that attract does that help you attract and retain good talent yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We have, um, yeah, like our, our whole team has been with us for uh, a while now. And like, even the contractors that we work with, even if they're not necessarily employees, like we, we keep them on for a very long time. The only time actually, I think anyone has stopped working with us has just been because they've like moved out of town or they've gotten like a full-time position somewhere. So, um, We've definitely got a lot of community support from um, people who work directly with us and clients and just other businesses that might never have worked with us before, but are constantly promoting us and, um, and like passing us off or referrals to other potential clients. And do you, do you have any like, favorite stories, like how your work has impacted something like in any organization that you've worked with, have you had uh, you know, success, success tales, not just on the business side, but on the social impact side? Yeah. Um, I think there's, so it, it's pretty cool. We get to do um, like a series of fundraisers for different organizations. Um, we uh, work with an organization called Best Buddies, which uh, we've done a series of videos for and then help them with annual fundraisers. They launched a new Oregon chapter of this um, for, it's, a, it's an organization that helps like individuals with uh, learning disabilities and it pairs them up with uh, 
you know, friends that can be a good support system just for the sake of like friendship or just additional help um, Mm -hmm. that people needed for like kids to adults. And so uh, we've helped them for a couple of years in a row now. And they've like done, we've done these campaigns that have led to a significant growth in their local chapter that we've like surpassed their fundraising goals by pretty significant margins, both years. Um, we've done, or we've done campaigns like that for, um, central city concern, which is like a local organization that helps houseless people. Um, one of our, our like favorite client hacky, uh, community organization helps East African African immigrants primarily, but then just anyone in, like experiencing financial hardship since COVID. And like our approach to that is like, while we did do a little bit of a video for them, we also like created a website. We helped with their like online branding. We helped them write letters to the mayor and we were able to um, get them like government funding uh, for over a million dollars that ended up helping a lot of people who were uh, experiencing issues with um, paying rent. Um, yeah, and the thing is, like, was that? Yeah, and, it, and it, feels, it feels good. And and those things that I think like the fundraising stuff is like a lot more tangible. Of like, okay, clearly this led to this impact. Um, but I think that it was so important that we had this foundation of trust that we could establish with these organizations prior to working with them. And they see that in the work that we do, like with, um, just like volunteering for like other groups and like what we post on our social and trying to promote, um, like mutual aid groups and, and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean... We, we try to take that approach to any project that we're working on, just being like realistic with like, what's the impact that this is trying to make? Like, do we feel good about this? Do we know that we're going to be able to do a good job with this? Um, yeah. And then when things slow down at the, for COVID at first, we, you know, we lost a bunch of contracts. And so uh, what we did is we just approached a few different organizations where we say like, Hey, we're just going to give you a free video. Like, what are you working on? Like what help are you trying to get? Um, and that led to a lot of new connections for us. Um, and that was, but that, that wasn't the point. Like, that's not what we were trying to do initially. It was more like, Hey, like, you know, we have this talent, we have this time, we have this skill set, we have these like materials. So like, let's just do this. And I think people, people see that and they see that it's not necessarily always just for the sake of marketing. Yeah. Um, and that's why they, you know, I, we don't have to twist people's arms to, like give us a referral, like they're, they're going to do it a lot more naturally and, and fluidly. Yeah, it's funny. It's, e- it's easier to sell when you're not selling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had a client once, actually, we were, we were joking. I was giving her some, some sales training and uh, I, I referenced, I remember our, I said, remember our first meeting. She goes, that was a sales meeting. And I said, well, yeah, I guess. And she goes, well, I thought you were just there to help me. And I said, well, I was, but at the end of it, you wanted me to keep helping you. <laughs> and she went, yeah. oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me. Yeah. Um, so listen, you did something really interesting that I wanted to just get your thinking behind. I, I thought it was really cool, but potentially, you know, provocative and challenging too. You, you put together a policy about the kind of clients you work for and kind of how you prioritize them and how you manage like scheduling conflicts. I thought that was really interesting. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and how you, how you came to the decision to do that? Yeah. 
Um, I think it's, I think that's a, uh, we, so we have an external policy that talks about who we work with, who we don't work with. And then we kind of go a step further and just say like, uh, if we are at capacity for the amount of projects that we can take on, we're going to prioritize these social enterprises and kind of list out a little bit more defined of what that means. And uh, that really was a group conversation. That's something that like my team and I met about and I wanted to hear like what everyone um, felt about like the work that we were doing and how we could improve that process and like what types of projects like other people are excited about because like it's just easier to work with a team that you know doesn't feel like the works work it's it's a little bit more natural it's like of course i'm going to do this because this is something that i care about um but i think it was really important that we defined um who we don't work with so that would be like uh like weapons manufacturers like advocates for like oil companies and um multi-level marketing companies uh things like that and we uh have had a series of requests over time from like companies that might fit within that that bill and so uh it can lead to some uncomfortable conversations sometimes but ultimately we just gotta put our foot down and say like hey i'm sorry like we're not going to be the best choice of a company for you to work with mm. um how it might be expressed it's not necessarily like we're not doing this uh for the sake of just feeling really good about ourselves it's like oh no we won't work with you we're too good for you or something it's 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 also from the sake of hey we don't like specialize in this type of storytelling like we're really not going to be a good fit as a marketing company for you right um like this is not going to be a worthy investment so um i think that's often the narrative that we take with that and then on top of that um, we really do have a very refined approach for how we work with social enterprise and how we work with nonprofits from a storytelling. We're going to lean more into the pathos and lean more into the ethos for the narrative that we might move forward with in trying to tell a story that leads to a call to action. And of course, that's just going to be naturally more inclined to better fit within nonprofits and social enterprises. Right. Um, so that's what we are going to prioritize as companies that we do work with if we are at capacity and that's an easy thing to talk about with um with clients that might be reaching out in that time we can just say like hey i'm sorry we're at capacity right now like we do have a little bit more of this niche and so that's who we're working with but we'll be happy to refer you to other people who might be a good fit as well and you have something in there too do you not that if if you don't feel your work can add value, you won't take on the project or something to that effect? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that happens most of the time with very small businesses. Um, I think that there is, of course, like you can start a business in America, you pay, you know, I know in Oregon, it's like you pay a hundred dollars and then you can just start a business and then get going. Um, right. But there's, there's not really a lot of like this audit process for like how you're going to do that and how it's going to be actually like worth your while. And you can like get to that good ROI of things. Um, we've worked with a ton of small businesses and of course, like we're a small business ourselves, And so um, we often will get people who say like, Hey, I want a video. I got this much money to spend. Like, let's do it. 
and we'll say like, okay, um, have you tested out the sales of this product yet? Or like, do you have this website? Do you have your sales like funnel set up? And do you feel like confident in being able to like get all these like transactions you know, go through and approved and everything like that if you suddenly get this surge in demand? So we, we try to be really careful to know that if we do a video for someone that it's going to lead them to a good place and it's actually going to make the change that they expect to happen happen. And very often we'll talk with people and we'll say like, hey, you don't need a video right now or you don't need this type of branding right now. You need to like seriously reconsider um, just the foundation for like what you do for your operations or you need to build a website first or you need to like get this type of funding first. Um, and if that's the case and we feel like video might be like a good thing for them to do, we'll say, Hey, like, don't work with us right now. Like make this thing on your iPhone, like tell this story, like use this template and then do these steps, then do another one, then do these steps, then do another one yourself. And then like, once it's into a good flow, that's when you should start to invest in a company that would be like that commercial grade type of video content. Right. They're good for you. And it, that winds up building confidence and trust too. I've, I've done that as well. I've said to somebody, you know, I could help you, but I think, you know, in, in one case, I remember I said an, an external CFO is actually going to do a better job for you than I will on those particular challenges. And then when you get to there, then come back to me. And they were, I could, they were on a Zoom call like this and they were sort of gobsmacked. And they went, you're, you're saying, I said, no, if you want to hire me, you can, but I'm just saying, I think this person will do a better job for you. Yeah. And they were, yeah. they actually went around and told other people that I did that because <laughs> they just, yeah, exactly. kind of believe it. but it's like, mm -hmm. if you're there to give value to people, then that's what you do. You direct them to where there's the best value. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had companies come back like two years later and they're like, we didn't take your advice at first. We ended up hiring another marketing company at the time and it ended up being like a really bad experience. And then we ended up cutting it off and then we took your advice and then that advice worked well and now we're doing great. And then now like we've remembered this, this whole time and we want to come back, let's work together. Nice. You know? so, nice. Yeah. So listen, you, you know, the way, the way we've told the story today sounds kind of linear and pleasant. Like it was, you know, we left the business, we started it up, you know, we joined a couple of groups, we got some clarity, we were doing stuff mm -hmm. and now we can pick and choose our clients. I'm sure along the way you had a couple of bumps. Oh um, Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so what like what were the what are some of the bigger challenges you've had to overcome and the reason i ask this there's a lot of people who want to do kind of what you're doing do mm -hmm. good with their businesses and i think it's important that they understand just you know it's not always just a free ride uh, or yeah. an easy ride and you know but you can still get there so like were, were there any sort of notable bumps along the way that you had to had to really learn and work through yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that where we're right now is certainly from a place of a lot of hard work and a lot of testing um, and a lot of luck and a lot of privilege. So um, like just starting this business off, like I didn't jump right into it all at once. It was something that I put on the side while I had a company that I worked for that just supported my livelihood. It wasn't like a huge financial risk for me to go through and like 
try and test little things like, oh, is this like seem like a good service offerings? Okay, no, and maybe not. Oh, maybe I'll like offer this for like a really low discount in order to build up a portfolio, um, things like that. So I think it was really important that I had that as a foundation that I could work off of. Um, I didn't, I'm never taken out a loan for this business. Um, I think there's just a ton of competition that when you enter, enter any new industry, you have to be aware of. And so um, there was a little bit of like two steps forward, one step back of, th of things. I think like when we first started out, we did weddings and music videos and like real estate videos and, and things like that. And over time we were able to like cast a wide net and then learn and feel out exactly where we might best fit. And then that's how we define the niche. I don't think it would have been the same and it wouldn't have been as effective if we hadn't gone through that process. I think it was important that we did cast that wide net and we were able to learn a lot of things and we were able to like better understand like why we have that niche. Cause I think if we had gone like right into the nonprofit social enterprise space, it just like, it wouldn't have been as smooth. Right. Um, like at the very beginning, it's kind of like, all right, like I'm going to go full in. Actually, I need to get a part-time job again for a little bit. Okay. Now I'm going to go full in. Ah, dang, I need to get that part-time job again. So like, there is like a little bit of that back and forth that happened at first. Um, and then of course, like the COVID-19 pandemic hit and uh, we were like growing, 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 growing. And then boom, like huge downfall. Yeah. Um, lost like 75% of our contracts. Oh, did you? Um, a lot of video companies in the area like ended up closing down. They just like couldn't afford what is their overhead. Um, but then at the same time, it was like this, you know, right place, right time too, because what happened with the COVID-19 pandemic is a lot of companies uh, maybe were on the edge about investing in video before. And now they're like, oh, we have to, we have to have a video. If we don't, we're not going to be able to reach our clients anymore. And so um, like uh, the surge in demand for us just started skyrocketing. Once it became defined, like, all right, this is, this is the new normal now. Like this isn't something that we're all going to like hang out inside for, for a month. And then things are going to go back to normal. Um, like, things just started going up from there. And that was really lucky. That's nothing that we necessarily foresaw. Um, that wasn't our intention. And so we were really just in the right place at the right time for that. Nice. And then for your, for your own business, like what are the, what are the big challenges you're facing now? Like we're at the time of recording this, we're mid February, um, mm -hmm. 2022. And so it's, you know, still early in the year. Do you do like annual strategic planning? Are there, or does it seem all too unclear what's happening? Like what's your, what's your process for facilitating growth for your organization? Yeah. Um, right now is actually like, this is when we do a lot of our planning is at the beginning of the year um, for uh, especially like working with nonprofits. Uh, a lot of our, the bulk of our busy time is happening in the fall and early winter. So the very end of the year when these organizations might have like budgets set aside that they have to get through. And so now they're like investing a lot of like things in marketing that they're going to get ready for the following year. And then once the following year happens, there is this lull in 
between, all right, like these new initiatives have started and now we're going to like wait for like tax season to be over. Um, and then things kind of start to pick up again. So uh, we're asking some questions right now of like, ultimately, uh, where do we want to stop? Like, how big do we want to get? Um, right now, I'm kind of hoping that we about double in size as we're at right now and don't want to necessarily get any bigger than that. So as we look to become more of a branding company and we're doing more services than other, other than just video, like where's that line? Where does that stop? And how can we use this time right now to very clearly define that? So like we're updating our website, um, we're kind of redefining some of the brand copy that we do. Um, we're doing a lot of like sales and outreach and things like that, but it's not necessarily projects that we're working on right now. It's more stuff that's going to be happening later on in the year. Um, and I think it's really important to uh, do that every year, like have a plan for the next like three to five years longer if you can, but especially for like a small business, like three to five years and then write it all out next year comes around do the exact same thing again and the thing is like it's okay if it changes because if you create a three-year plan and then you yeah and then and then if you spend if you create a three-year plan and then you spend a year like trying to like begin on that plan by the next time you come to reevaluate that you're just going to be at a different vantage point and you would have been pushed to do things that you might not have done before if you were just like living one day in front of the next and responding to requests and responding to demand. Um, yeah. I think it's really important to take a time to say like, hey, no, we're not going to work on this project. We're going to spend some internal time instead because we know that we're investing for the long term in a, a different vision for what we want to become. Yeah. It's funny, sometimes when clients tell me they don't have time to do that kind of thinking, I'll say, let me ask you, if, uh, if Richard Branson came by and said, you know, I'm going to give you like $250,000, but you need to spend, you got to have two hours a week to set aside for me. Do you think you could do that? They're always like, oh yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. here's the good news. <laughs> Richard Branson isn't calling. His time is now available for your own business. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh. <laughs> but yeah. it's true, right? Like if, yeah. If you, when you realize the value of it, you'll find the time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to do, I always do this thing at the end with little rapid fire questions. Yes. Put you on the spot. Yeah. Uh, ready. One decision that most helped you get you where you are. Um, uh, one decision. Oh, gosh. Um. <laughs> I guess just uh, just like take advice, uh, put your ego aside, uh, take advice from people who are maybe like a few years ahead of you and just like listen and try it. Nice. If you had to do it over again, what would you change? Um, I think I probably would have been, I think uh, earlier on I would have more prescribed to the ideology that I need to spend more of my time as a business owner, as opposed to a videographer or an editor. Um, I think at first I spent a lot of time doing those things myself and uh, I had, I just didn't have enough trust in other people doing that work. And I think as a business owner, your time is so precious to 
do that strategic planning that like, that's where you need to uh, dedicate the majority of your time. Right on. On the days you enjoy most, you could be found doing what? Uh, getting outside, hiking. Pacific Northwest is amazing, beautiful place. Tons of cool trails. Right on. Yeah, I'm a mountain biker. I do a fair amount of that here too. Awesome. One aspect of running a business you have yet to master. Uh, I would say uh, taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got I think I got the bookkeeping down, but when it comes time for like the annual taxes, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so complicated. So oh, that's funny. Uh, what's the problem you'd most like to solve in your business? Um, uh, just having enough time in the day, uh, getting, being able to confidently, uh, know that this is all the tasks that we're going to do for the week and, um, not feeling like there's something left over the, for the following week. Nice. Last two questions. Mm -hmm. One personal quality that you most had to improve or overcome. Uh, trust in others. I think that's, that's big. Yeah. And then this one, no false humility, one personal quality that most contributed to your success. Uh, believing that I could. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, just growing up and this having this idea that, oh yeah, I could run a business. Oh yeah. I could be a director. Um, I think that that in itself was a huge privilege. So um, I think coming into any position anywhere, just believing that you can succeed in that um, is gigantic. So somehow the hippies taught you that you can succeed in business. Yes. <laughs> There's an irony. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Is there any, any last thoughts you'd want to share with, uh, with a bunch of aspiring uh what I call philanthropeneurs, people who want to make the world a better place while making a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I would say to just, uh, I think it's so important to just be realistic with, uh, your time and the value that you're trying to create. Um, I think it's really important to whenever you make a new business initiative or, uh, like adding a new service, like, trying out a new type of idea to just define what that test phase will be and to say like, okay, if these are the results that I'm going to see, it's going to lead to this. And if it's not have the ability to just say, Hey, it didn't work. I need to try something else. Right on. Listen, you've been really generous with your, with your insights and your time. I really appreciate it and wish you continued success with bridge city. Awesome. Thank you so and much. People want to find you where can they, where can they find you? Uh, find us, uh, bridgecitymedia.com, Instagram at bridgecitymedia, Facebook, LinkedIn, whole shebang. Right on. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks so much, Warren. Hi, it's Warren Coughlin here. Thank you so much for listening to the Business That Matters Spotlight. If you're a successful values-driven entrepreneur who makes a difference while making a profit and you'd like to be on this program, please visit warrencoglin.com slash podcast slash apply. That's warren, C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N dot com slash podcast slash apply. 
If you got something out of this interview, would you do us a favor and share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Business That Matters Spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, warrantcoglin.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, facebook.com slash a business that matters, and Instagram at warren.coglin. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.